Lord in prayer before we open to it. Heavenly Father, even as we sing of these promises that you have uh, so greatly provided uh, to us through your word, we are just so thankful, Lord, you are such a faithful and promising God. We just pray that, Lord, even as we listen to your word uh, in Psalm 1, we pray that you uh, speak to us, soften our hearts and soften our ears, and help us to be still and know that you are God, O oh Lord. Just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, it just give you a little backdrop of where I arrived at this particular passage. Last six months has been a very funny part of my life for a long time. I think I spoke to Sam about it a couple of weeks ago. It is one of those, those times where um, I feel very tired and I feel very drained and and later on, as you read uh, through Jeremiah, it is like I'm, in the, I'm facing the, the wind of heat and I'm going through a drought. And I think that's where God has been so gracious and wonderful. Uh, I was reading a book just to try to get myself out of the rut. Uh, I was uh, starting to go back to a book uh, by John Piper called The, Wild, the Life Worth Living. And uh, there, God presented me with the opportunity to preach. You know, when you preach, you got to prepare, right? You can't be just standing around and horse around and say a couple of jokes or whatever. Uh, it's really quite a serious matter. And it just put me back into the way that how we could approach God's word. Uh, in my preparation, and now I'm approaching the word with trembling and fear. It's funny to feel that way, isn't it? Because, hey, we read in the Bible about trembling and fear, and sometimes we say, what does that really mean? But if we really were to look at how the psalmist is talking about meditating on God's word and being in his presence, my friend, you'll be trembling as I am. So with this sense of inadequacy and trembling, I would like to just share a couple of thoughts with you on, on Psalm. Uh, it is a, a great time of refreshing for me, and I totally enjoy it. But yet, it is also a time where I solemnly challenge myself and ask myself hard questions about the way I am living for God. You look at me and you say, hey, this guy is 20 over years, uh, 60 over, sorry. <laughs> As you guys say, you know, this guy is an old man, but he tried to be a, be a young man. But, but, you know, as you reflect, uh, you say, hey, this guy, 60 over years old, he's, uh, you know, going down the truth and downward path. What is there to live for? My friend, if you are thinking that way, then you are missing the whole thing about someone. Okay, let's look at someone. You know, the, the, the thing about this world is that we have too many choices. Do you think so? If you look at our life, man, there's so many choices. Just give you an example. Okay? I mean, in terms of what to eat, how we, you know, enjoy ourselves, how we plan our work, in terms of recreation. Just give you an example of myself. I'm diabetic, right? And I need to choose certain bread to eat, right? And I go to Wooly. Oh man, have you gone to Wooly and look at the, the spread of choices of bread across 
just the session on bread. Now, not only that, when I start to say, look here, I need to eat bread that is with, you know, low LG or whatsoever. Man! <laughs> High or low, there you go. Anyway, I know what I'm talking about, but anyway, <laughs> even, within, even within that category, isn't there many choices? You know, we, can, we are quite privileged in Australia because we have many options and we have the liberty to choose how we want to live. Uh, recently, I've been reading about you know, the world. Not many people have a lot of options, isn't it? And not many people have any choice to choose how they want to live and the way to live it. Well, you can choose to live your life in the following way. You can pursue knowledge. You can say, which is now the trend, is to uh, you know, uh, fulfill our potential, meet our interests and desire, uh, our aspiration, pursue wealth, status and power. Well, we may go on the other hand to live our life for the noble cause or a more worthwhile cause, to serve others, more uh, you know, spiritual enlightenment, etc., etc. Despite of all these options that are available to us, if you look at Psalm 1, the psalmist only provided us with two ways of living. The rest of it can be classified under these two. But basically, there are two ways. And the two ways are presented in Psalm 1 in these two ways. The way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. You know why it's so solemn? Because, you know, the Bible doesn't go around in circle and repackage things. The Bible said it as God said and as it is. And there's no even but, isn't it? It is the righteous or the wicked. What do we say? Well, uh, there's the right and there is probably the not so right and, you know, relatively right. It's the right and the wicked. Either you are right or you are wicked. And they know thing about it. So what happened is that the psalmist is presenting these two ways of living in the way of describing the way that the life will be lived, the, the food and benefit of it, and more importantly, what is the final destination of choosing these two ways of living. Let's look at the first one, the ray of the righteous. Let's look at verse 1 and 2. If you turn to Psalm 1 and 2, he says, Blessed is the man, happy is the man, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of the sinner. Or sit in the seats of the mocker. But his dislike is his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. The man who chose the way of righteousness does two things. There's a disassociation and there is an association. There's a disassociation from, interestingly, the other way of living of the wicked. The other one is associating himself with God to the meditating of his word. He disassociates himself from the wicked by not walking in the counsel of the wicked. What that means is that 
we don't live by you know the the standard the value and the principle and the advice of what the wicked which is represented by the world because satan is the king of the world he set the rules that's why john said don't love the world and the things in it so we don't base our whole living and lifestyle on what the world is promoting secondly stand in the way of the sinner represent your lifestyle our conduct our lifestyle has cannot reflect those of what the world you know and the wicked is going scary isn't it you know we are just think about yourself and say am i you know am i just the same as anyone you know who is not a believer in my workplace in my family etc and this will give you an idea of whether you are standing in the sinner in the way of the sinner the other thing about standing in the way of the sinner is around your identity and your and your affiliation where is my identity is my identity associated with god or my identity is based on what i am in this world sit not in the seat of the mockers man there's a serious one do we sometimes look at god things of god people of god and church the way that we look as the world is looking at it you know i'm a very critical person my wife knows it every time i come back there's always something i will pick up and she said you are so critical and so of course in my defense i always say well because i want to continue to improve myself the whole idea is not being critical the whole idea is where do you base that criticism what is it based on is it based on what the world see it uh, one very good example which i think i have always said is actually this you know this thing about the number of people that come to panel life the number of people that's involved in panel life everybody say wow we done a great job and we just a lot of what and i cynically will look at it and says what is the number in comparison to the bigger community what is the number of involvement in comparison to the number of members in the church the issue is not the thinking or being critical about this the issue is where is the motivation where is the motivation association himself with god is very interesting the first thing is that he find delight in the law of the lord now let me ask you let's be very honest do you really find delight in reading god's word and studying god's word and what does delight mean let me give you some example somebody described delight as expressing everything that make a man happy one bible commentator say that it is more than just delight it is his chief desire it's not something that you are happy about it is something that you long for and go for it have you ever find such delight or experience such delight
You know something, if we find this delight, I think our lives will be different. The life of the church will be different. Our motivation in life will be different. You know, it's very interesting that you look at the whole thing, the way of righteous living starts with what? Start with what? Meditating on God's word. That is the starting point. Why? Because there's delight in it. Now then we go to the next thing. How come we're not getting this delight that this psalmist is talking about? This probably has to do with the way we go about approaching God's word. Meditating it day and night. You know meditating in the Hebrew word means pondering, thinking about. I love this illustration of meditating that was given, which I taught. It's amazing how you remember things from your Sunday school teacher. It was when I was a young person. This illustration of pondering and meditating on God's word. Have you ever seen the pattern of uh, eating pattern of the cow? You see the cow, he's always eating, right? Munch, 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 right? And you say, when is this guy going to stop eating? How can he sweat that much? The reason is that, uh, of course, if you look at a cow who is sleeping or just, you know, lazing around, what do you see he's doing? He's munching all the time, isn't it? Have you ever noticed? He munch, munch, munch. And then he munch, munch, munch again. And you say, hey, when did this fellow stop munching? What a beautiful illustration of meditating of God's word. You should be like a cow, take in God's word, store it in and reflect and chew on it. Now that's what it means by meditating of God's word. Meditating day and night is not, well, I've done my quiet time, I schedule my Bible reading, I take off my reading plan, I prepare my Bible study, I listen to John's sermon, And store it. But you like a cow munching on it. You know, meditating day and night means what? It means and implies that God's word is always in our mind throughout every day of our activity. Seriously, do you ever think about God's word throughout your whole day, besides your so called quiet time? Do we ever at times in our midst of our work stand back and say, hey, seriously? Or in the time when we go to make a decision that we stand back and say, hey, look here. Is there anything that God says, anything that God says about what I should do? What should I see this, you know, this situation? Is there a time where we can be thankful that, oh, thank God, I don't need to face this guy. Thank God resolve the problem by itself. Do we ever do that? You know, it's very interesting, many years back, uh, I don't know whether you remember, I remember when I was, there's a movement called WW, uh, let me get it right before I get, uh, WWJD, can anybody remember? WWJD, they wear it on the headband, they put it on the handband, they put it on the belt, they put it on the t-shirt, there's a book written on it. You know, anybody heard of WWJD? Julian, tell me. Uh, what we did is we 
Absolutely. What would Jesus do? Have you remembered the movement? Were you one of those guys that I was? I was one of the guys that read the book, attend the seminar, put on the hairband. Because I want to keep reminding myself what was the whole the concept of the whole movement was. He wants us to put ourselves in the position of saying, in every situation in our daily life, we want to ask the question, what will Jesus do? What will Jesus think? And you know something, my friend? If you want to be doing it, it means two things. Number one, you need to know the scriptures. You need to know God's word. The second thing, which we all never do, is to memorize. You know, it's very interesting. I, I have read... Uh... Hey, by the way, this is not criticism of young adults or whatsoever, okay? But I've, you know, I've led uh, young adult groups or whatsoever. And I really seriously to challenge you guys to think about how we approach the Word of God. The Word of God. It is obvious that, uh, you know, Meditating on the Word of God doesn't stop at just reading about it, memorizing it, thinking about it, but more importantly, to do it. Moses told Joshua, remember what Moses says? Be careful. Okay, so meditate on God's law day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. James says, be not hearer of the word, but be doer also. The next thing that comes out is verse 3. I like the way that the psalmist illustrate or give a simile of what a person who chose the way of righteousness looks like. Verse 3 says, He is like a tree planted by the stream of water that yields his food in its season, and whose leaf does not wither. Here is quite straightforward, isn't it? It is actually a tree planted next to the water. The tree is close to the source of its life, water. And the result of that connection and that closeness and the connectedness, this tree does a couple of things. Number one, it's fruitful. It yields its fruit in season. I like to think about season. It means there's a timing. Hey, what is the season of fruit this year now? What is the fruit for this season? You know that there are certain fruit that will come at the season, right? It would be funny to have, uh, I don't know, because in Malaysia and Singapore now, durian is throughout the whole year. But anyway, there used to be a season where nobody get any durian. So there's a season. And the season implies God's timing. God has his timing for all things. Next thing is evergreen. And uh, the next thing is, is productive. I want you to turn to another passage for me, okay? Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8. You don't mind turning to this passage because it's a cross-reference to uh, uh, someone. Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 8 and 9. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water and sent up its root by the stream. It will not fear when heat comes and its leaves are always green. It is no worries in a year of drought and never fail to bear fruit. 
There's an additional Jeremiah added this additional element to this tree. What? That in the midst of the, you know, the wind of heat and during drought, its leaf is still green and it still bears fruit in its season. Have you ever find such a tree in this world? No, but it is the way of living that God promises. The two things that strike me when I look at Jeremiah is I am exactly in the same situation. I'm facing the wind of heat and I'm going through a drought. Let me tell you, my leaves will wither and I will never bear fruit. Unless, unless I come back and get connected to and with the source of this way of living, that's God himself. And how do I do it? Come to his word. That's the beginning of it. You know, the meditating of the word is not just the reading of the word. There's delight. The, the psalmist finds delight because when you meditate God's word. Now, there goes again another example when I was, uh, my Sunday school teacher who teach me, reading God's word, he said, is, is when God speaks to you. Remember, those of you? And then prayer is what? Prayer is when you speak to God. Reading God's word, if you are meditating on it, is the time God speaks to you. It is the kind of be still moment and know that God is there and God speaks. You remember Elijah? Where is God speaking? Where is God? Not in the thunder, not in the lightning, not in the wind, but in a still small voice. And if you are in communion with him, I don't know, in the last, uh, in the last uh, six months, there are occasion, occasion where I experience this thing when I read the words of God. Let me just share it with you and you see whether you can relate to it. That when I was reading the word of God, I find that uh, it tells me a little bit insight into who God is. It made me appreciate what amazing God He is. What a, what a merciful and forgiving God. When I read through the Word of God, it made me realize how unworthy I am in the sight of Him. And you know what that will lead to? That will lead to you feeling, really, I'm so sorry. And you are grateful. It will lead to you having an emotion, an emotion of gratitude, and it leads to praise and worship. Not only that, the word will stir you into action, into wanting to do something for God, to recommit yourself. You know, when I look at this passage again, it reminds me that, hey, there is always hope, you know, through this dry wind, and drought if I were to go back to God and I would be you know be a refreshing time and my spirit will be renewed that is the wonderful thing about you know being you know in walking the right way 
The thing about the wind and the drought also talks about when we are in the midst of trouble and difficult time. You know, we will still be able to have the confidence that God will pull us through. That God will, you know, help us to overcome this. And that we can continue to glorify Him and honor Him. Now, that is what Jeremy means when during the wind of heat and drought, this tree will remain green and he will continue to bear fruit. Do we see any good outcome from hard time? When we are going through trial and difficulty, when we face death and crisis in life, do we see any good thing of it? Of course there is. At least there is character building. A good example of this thing about this tree is really the example of Job, isn't it? Look at Job. It's a tree that's planted next to the water. The way of the wicked. The way of the wicked is quite interesting. If you look at it, it's very short, very conclusive, and very sharp. Look at verse 1. How does the wicked live, the way of the, the, way of the wicked lives? Exactly the direct opposite of exactly the things that, you know, the righteous will be disassociating. It's totally the same thing. The wicked, as usual, will be, you know, living godless, no regard for God, rebellious and disobedient life. They are living a life that will, you know, focus on their self-interest, their self-gratification and nothing else. It is a life that looks at the outside and what is material and will never think of the future and never think of eternity. You know, as usual, the wicked will always be looking at us Christian or God very cynically. Of course, you know, we are, we, this is well known, right? Jesus talked about we will be persecuted, we will be mocked. Exactly. Verse 4, the psalmist make a very strong and comprehensive statement about the wicked. In verse 4, it says, Not so the wicked. This in reference to, you know, the earlier part in verse 3, when the psalmist was describing what the way of living of the righteous is to this tree. In the context of that, in the comparison of that, in the contrast of that, the psalmist says, not so are the wicked. And then he went on to say, first of all, the wicked will never be like that tree. Never. The wicked is not so, never. And then he goes on to say in verse 5, he says that the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinner in the assembly of the righteous. The word is cut off. The wicked, you can never stand acquitted in the judgment of God when the Lord Jesus comes. There is no if and part, and there's no excuse. There is no acquitter because you have not chosen to live the way of the righteous and believe in Jesus. The next thing is that you will never be in the congregation of the righteous. You know something? We now Christians feel very left out, right? In the world. 
My friend, the time will come when the Lord Jesus comes at judgment. Those that didn't choose the way of the righteous but the wicked will be totally left out. A good, to learn more about this separation, look at the, the, the story of, of it's recorded for us in Matthew 25 about Jesus talking about the separation of the goat and lamb. Go and read it. It's frightening. I read it and it's frightening. Because you know what? Man, it is not between the sheep and the goat. It is where those goats will land that frightens me. They are condemned to be burned. Isn't that scary? Isn't that solemn? And we need to say it that way. That's why I said in the beginning, how do we approach the Word of God? This particular passage, man, why it gives me hope, it's also quite solemn to know where every one of the people who doesn't believe in God will end up. It's a solemn thought. In conclusion, there is no end, no good ending for those who are wicked. There is never a good ending. It may look good now, but in the end, in eternity, it's never the end. Sorry for bringing the message in such solemn and in such a serious tone. But it is, it is serious. I feel serious about it. And it's good to be serious. Because that will make you think. Let me draw the conclusion by... You say, well, it's over, good. Uh, let me draw the conclusion by making an appeal and a challenge. The application is really... There's no application in this Psalm 1. How do I apply it? There's no application. It's a choice that you've got to make. And you've got a choice when you make it, we we'll have to continue to keep living the choice. For those of you who still haven't chose to live in the way of the righteous, have not chosen, have not chosen. Hey, by the way, it is a no-brainer choice. Look at Psalm, you know where you know the two way were head up to. It is no-brainer in terms of making the choice. But that goes again according to God's words. Even if you have not made the choice, it is by default that you are actually living that way of the wicked. Because the Bible says that we are born in sin. And we are born sinner. And Romans tells us that, you know, the end of sin and sinning is eternal death. So even if you make the choice, it's actually made for you by default if you believe the Bible. The only thing is that you've got to make the choice to live the way of the righteous and be blessed. For those of us who claim, I really like the word claim, because you know something, we claim a lot of things. We claim to be Christian, but it's not a claim, are we? We claim to have chosen the living the way of the righteous. I just want to challenge you to reflect on whether are we still living the way of the righteous or we have actually strayed away from it. You know, the devil is such a liar and a deceiver that 
it gives you the idea that you are walking on the right way, heading in the right direction, but you are actually walking on a very wide road that leads to destruction. It is always this thing, the claim that we are actually cho chosen the right way, but in actual fact, not living it. How do we know? Last of all, ask yourself a couple of questions. Are we dissociating with the world and things of the world? Think about it. Next, are we enjoying this close association with God? When we read God's word, starting point, you know, starting point is even a difficult point. Confucius, my old grandfather, father used to say, the beginning of the 100 miles journey begins with the first step. The first step to the way of living the righteous is the word of God. Why? Because from it we know him. We enjoy him. The close communion that we can him. Next thing, when was the last time where we read the word of God and get excited and thrilled or solemnized or some kind of emotion with it. Have you? Let me share with you the experience of the two disciples. Remember the two disciples that walked onto the road to Emmaus? Remember these two guys? Jesus died, risen, these two guys walking and saying, hey, what is happening in this world, man? You know, in Jerusalem, Jesus died and Jesus appeared, right? And Jesus opened to them the scripture, right? And tell them how he has to come to suffer, to die, and to reason. I like the reaction of the disciple. You know what he says? The disciple said, Hey, didn't our heart burn when we were listening to Jesus opening the scripture to them? My friend, if you read the word of God and not feel burned, and no feeling in your heart. Then it's just head knowledge. It doesn't go down with you. I remember our friend, uh, Michael Lord Jones, hey, by the way, he's an old man, but he's a great man. In his book, Preacher and Preaching, he says, unless you are moved personally by the word of God, you are not in a position to preach it. And I believe so. There's a difference between a lecture and something that comes from the heart. It is a difference between feeling the fire and the burn in my heart when I read God's word. So, lastly, imagine yourself as a tree. What kind of tree are you? Are you a tree that is planted next to the stream of water where there is green leaves and you bear fruit at its season? Or are you also a tree that through the heat of waves and through deep drought is still a tree that is connected to the source of water and is able to bear, to have evergreen leaves and bear fruit? So I just want to leave this talk with you as I did leave this thought uh, with myself. And as you look towards the new year, for those of you who still haven't made the choice, choose it now. 
For those of us who have chosen, let's persist and continue to live the right of the righteous and be blessed and to be able to bless others, you know, on the way. Can we just close in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, just thank you so much that you, your word is so clear in presenting what the truth. Lord, we just pray that, you know, as Jesus said, that uh, when we learn of the truth, the truth will set us free, that we are able to serve you. Heavenly Father, even as we look at the two ways of living and we look at uh, the three that the psalmist described, Lord, we just pray that you would help us to reflect, uh, you know, uh, our own way of living. Lord, just pray that, we just pray that, Lord, we would be uh, living the way of the righteous, Lord, that we could be uh, like this wonderful tree that, you know, the psalmist described for us in Psalm 1, that, you know, we will be able to uh, bear fruits, our leaves are evergreen and not wither, despite of, uh, you know, uh, difficulty period and time. So, Lord, continue to, to, to speak to us. Continue to help us to, to meditate on this couple of things that came out from Psalm 1 uh, throughout, you know, the week and through the day. Help us to remember uh, how the cow chew its grass and that uh, we were able to meditate upon your word day and night and be blessed. Let's pray in Jesus' name.